God is a God, a meticulous God. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. He says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It says that the Spirit came as of fire. We know that fire represents the presence of God. We know this. We know that it is a refiring fire. But we also know that fire brings judgment. And it is so in interesting that a lot of people, when they, when they see this, they want to call the fire. But if it's the fire for the presence of God, then you need to understand that God comes on His own. He decided to send His Spirit on its own. It's not going to determine on you and me whether the Spirit of God came. God prophesied, Jesus promised the Spirit, and here He came. And he came as tongues of fire sitting on them. And you remember that the Jews are looking for a sign. The Jews are looking for a sign. In that upper room there, it was Jews there. And what sign did they get? They got the sign of fire, which they were familiar with going back to the Old Testament. Now during this week, on social media, I saw a lady. And she is caught up into this charismatic movement. She videoed herself and she proclaimed to speak in tongues and she started working herself up into a frenzy. And she started praying and prophesying in between. I was watching this. And you know, part of her prayer is what you will hear so many times. She was crying out, Lord, we need another Pentecost. Have you heard that? Have you heard the charismatic movements and the Pentecostals call that out? Lord, we need another Pentecost. And she was really, in a, by the time she, she was crying it out, tears was flowing over. No doubt, no doubt, she was sincere. I could see it, I could see the emotion. Lord, we need another Pentecost. Am I, am I, in my soul I was stirred up a bit by this. Not for a cry for another Pentecost, because as more as he cried out for another Pentecost, there was another cry in my heart that came out, and the cry was, why, what is wrong with this Pentecost? What is wrong with it? What is wrong with Pentecost that was poured out in Acts chapter 2? Because if you want another Pentecost, something is amiss here. And it's not the Lord. There's nothing wrong with Acts chapter 2's Pentecost. I want to suggest that the perception of some people about Acts chapter 2 is wrong. Nothing to do with Pentecost. And that's what I'm going to endeavor over the next two weeks to unpack for you even further. When the Lord sent Pentecost, when He sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, it was to empower the church. He said it, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes amongst you to be my witnesses. That is where a lot of people get it wrong. They want to do all 
of these strange things that will attract crowds and, and pull crowds in and they want to call it the Holy Spirit. And over the years, over the years, over the years I've seen it with my own eyes, how they blasphemed the Holy Spirit instead of walking in the power of the Spirit. I've seen it with my own eyes. And every time they say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit, so that you can say nothing against it, and you feel every time you say something against it, you are convicted. No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with Pentecost. It is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see the pattern, the pattern in Acts chapter 2, why the Holy Spirit was poured out, what happens after the Spirit is poured out, and what is the reaction thereof. We're going to see that. You see, I then understood what it was all about for this lady. It was all about this, worship. Worship, and I, I read up a little bit about it, and you know this is no new news for you, and this is not one of those sermons. I just thought I'll put it in the front of you to get it out of the way. You see, this is how churches are seen today. Not how we worship, you know, people, some of the people who's in these churches, you know, it's, it, and you can, you can read it in their statements, they're a vibrant church, a vibrant church, have you seen that? Or they are a on fire church, you know. Uh, I wonder if they look at our church and they go, oh no, that church is not on fire and that church is not vibrant. Then I would want to suggest to them they don't understand Pentecost. They don't understand what's happened. This is one of their statements, you know, about hyped up worship. They say it simply means that a church must make their worship so exciting, exciting, that everyone who comes leaves worked up. Worked up. You know, we're going to work up these people into a frenzy. You come, it's got to be exciting for Jesus. This type of worship is not limited to praise bands and the like, but also to what is called spirit-filled. You know, it's all about being spirit-filled sermons that rocks the crowd. Now, praise the Lord, I don't preach those sermons that rocks the crowds. Amen? No, no, I preach the, spirit, the Word of God in spirit and truth. Now, spirit and truth is going to change lives, not rocking, not rocking the crowds. Why do we want to rock the crowds? You know, I can take you many places now in the Bible to show you that Jesus Christ Himself wasn't even into the rocking of crowds. No, no, that's the pattern. And, and these people say, no, no, we need to rock the crowd because if we pull the crowds in, then, then only we can give them the gospel. It's so different than what Jesus did. Hyped up means for them intensively or extensively stimulated by exaggerated. Therefore, these worship services become a place where the person gets, listen to this, intensively stimulated or overly excited. Have, have some of you seen this happen? I have certainly, for sure I have. I mean, there at Karam Downs they just sing hymns. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, these hymns at Karim Downs is all about God. Yeah? It's not about me, it's about God. 
So this is not us. So, so I just wanted to say, I wanted to say and then move on quickly, that there is nothing wrong with this Pentecost. And you need to understand and go back to your Bible and study your Bible, which I'm going to show you in this church and starting today, that there's a pattern. There's a pattern to Acts chapter 2. And that pattern continues right through the book of Acts as it transitions from one part to another. Acts chapter 2 verse 5. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews. Who was dwelling there? Jews. Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred and the multitude together, they were confused because everyone heard them speak in its own language. I preached about that. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of them speak in our own language, which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea. Judea. You see, I've made it right there. There's a reason for that. Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, and Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs. We hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, how many times have you read over those names? And you know, I, you know, we don't preach a sermon on them, do we? It's only people who came together. But today I'm going to preach a sermon on them. Okay? Hang in there, I'm going to show you. But let's first finish the chapter. So in verse 12 he says, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? I love it. I love it when somebody comes to you and they say, what does it mean that your life is like this? Well, brother, sister, now that you've asked, let me tell you. Others mocked. They were full of new wine, they say. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, listen to this now, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour in the day. It's still morning. They, they didn't drink. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all the flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And in my maidservants and on my maidservants, uh, maid servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in, in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. Before what? The great and awesome day of the coming of the Lord. These are signs for you not to get confused. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, there is a great revival, they say. Joel. And I've heard so many people, Lord, we want Joel's prophecy. Joel, Joel 2. But again, brothers and sisters, let us not be like the rest. Go back to your Bible and study it. Because yes, Peter stands up and he says to the crowd, don't be confused, these men aren't drunk. There's something that's happening here. He goes straight to the Bible. Boom! He, his Bible was the Old Testament. 
There's something that happened. An amazing thing that God sent them. The Holy Spirit came down. And then he went straight to the Bible. He's not trying to reason it out. He says, this what you see is what was prophesied like in the book of Joel. Now let me just say this. A lot of people say, whoa, you know, we want another outpouring like Joel. And I ask again, why? Why? You see, the outpouring of Joel started in Acts chapter 2. But it's not fulfilled yet. It's not completely fulfilled. Because when that happened, all they heard in the upper room was a rushing mighty wind. And they saw the Spirit came down and sat on them like tongues of fire. There was nothing about signs in the heavens or blood and fire or vapor or smoke. There was nothing like that. But let me tell you, if you read in the book of Revelation, and if you read after the rapture takes place in that seven years, you will read a lot of these things that's going to happen. Blood, fire, vapor, and smoke. You will read a lot of that. And if you go back to the book of Joel, and you read where this prophecy sits in context, you will see that it is tied to that time in period after the rapture takes place. So what am I saying? It's, it's not poured out? No. No, it is already poured out. Because today, if your children get saved by the Spirit of the Lord, what happens? They are baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. It is poured out on your sons and your daughters. Today we have some people prophesying, but prophesying is opening up the Word. The revelation of the word. So, so I'm not against it, but when somebody prophesied, because in, in the book of uh, uh, Corinthians, Paul says it's going to happen. It needs to be tied to the word of God. If it's prophesying against the word of God, you've got troubles. You need to test it by the word. Needless to say that Joel is written in that prophecy to the nation of Israel in the book of Joel, and then it's also going to be fulfilled to its full extent, I absolutely believe in that time when it's going to be dealing with the nation again. But let's continue. That's not the sermon today. I will get to that in a few weeks' time more in depth. In verse 22, men of Israel, see? He's talking here to men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Because they all heard the noise. There were other people in Jerusalem as well. And now he comes, he says, men of Israel. Men of Israel, have you noticed? He now addresses straightly to them. He says, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by a lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken, Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover my flesh shall also rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. 
Didn't you love the, the reading of the word? My brother Oral just read the word at the table. And I'm just reading you the word of God. I shouldn't say anything. Let the word speak. But look at this. When he addressed the men of Israel, where did Jesus come for first? He came for the Jews first. And what is this? What is all this that I've read to you now? It is the gospel. He was already preaching the gospel to the nation. He tells them about Jesus who came. You know He came. You crucified Him. He was dead. He was risen. And then He goes and He opens up the Bible again. You see, He didn't just stand there and everything flow. He goes, let me open the Bible. Let me go to in the Old Testament to Psalms and see what David wrote down. And then He wrote down what David said. He went straight to the Bible. You see... Do we need another Pentecost? These people didn't understand Pentecost. They just want the hype and the vibe of Pentecost. But there's much more to be. This happened on Pentecost. He was preaching the gospel. In verse 29, men and brethren, you see? Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you by, of the patriarch David, because he preached from the book and Psalms, that he is both dead and buried. And his tomb is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on the throne and praise God that's still coming. Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne. Verse 31. He foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which he were, we were all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted on the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out which you now see in here. For David did not descend into heavens, but says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies a footstool. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. If you want to see the gospel, read Acts chapter 2. It gives you the gospel. It talks about Jesus. Jesus himself said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify of me, of Jesus. So the Spirit of the Lord came. Paul, Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel to the crowd. He opens up the Bible. He didn't say, now let's all hype everybody up in a frenzy. You see, there's nothing wrong with, with Pentecost. Are you with me now? Why would I want another Pentecost? If you are crying out for another Pentecost, you are crying out for another gospel. There's only one gospel. And let me tell you, that gospel is by faith alone. It's not faith plus. It's not faith plus anything else. You don't have to dance in church to be able to say, now you are holy. You don't have to do anything but come to Jesus Christ, bow your knees and proclaim like we sang this morning, that Jesus is Lord. For if you do, don't do it now, the Bible says that every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Wow, that's so powerful. I hope that your, your mind is still with the Word this morning. 
If I get in my car now and I go home and I say no words anymore, I know for sure that I've read his word. His word went out great, isn't it? You've heard it with your own two ears this morning. And here is the most fascinating verse for me in verse 36. Therefore, which is an application word. Before, therefore, he had the gospel. Now he says, I apply this now to the house of Israel. And what my brother said this morning, we are grafted into Israel. So now today to the Gentiles. But I'm going to show you that in a minute. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ and you should shout hallelujah because if it wasn't for that you are wasting your time today sitting here and listening to a South African accent <laughs> honestly this should make you so excited that when you read it it's like the first believer that very first time when the Lord saved your soul and you started reading the Bible every single day the reason why people are shouting for another Pentecost or for another blessing is because they are not grateful for what God has already done He's already done it the Holy Spirit is already living in my heart. He's there and the Bible says that God sealed it. You know what he says when he goes to that verse? He says, there's my hand. You're in my hand. And my Father comes and He puts His hand over it and He seals you. Amen? Amen. I know I get worked up, but this is exciting. <laughs> now we go. Now we go. We nearly finished with the chapter. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises is to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word. Those who? Say it again. Those who gladly received his word. Next week I'm going to preach the second part of this and we're going to come back to this. Those who gladly received the word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I want to talk to you today. It feels as if I already preached the sermon, but I want to talk to you today about this. They were cut to the heart. I want to talk to you today about it and next week. Next week I'm going to show you something interesting about that. I'm going to Today I want to talk about, in part one, the blueprint of the cross. The blueprint of the cross. So if we look at this verse, and we're going to unpack this verse, he says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The question you need to ask yourself, what brought these men to the point where they were cut to the heart? Was it the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Or was it the preaching? Or was it, what was it? What brought them to the point that they were cut to the heart? When somebody is cut to the heart, it cuts through all of your senses, 
It cuts through all of your emotions. It goes to the inner part of your heart. There's another saying, it says, my heart was pierced by arrows. Have you heard that one before? It goes in to the point and only the truth can reach you down there. In your heart. So when we unpack this verse, it goes the first part is now when they heard this, what did they hear? I said it to you before. They heard the gospel. That's what they heard. It didn't say. Look, look, look at the verse. Now when they saw this, what does that word say there? What, what do you use to hear? You use your ears. Isn't it right? I know, I know. Just bear with me. You use your ears. Is that right? Do you see with your ears? No, no. You see with your and we've got that in the beginning of the chapter. What happened in the beginning of the chapter? They heard rushing mighty wind. That brought their attention. No, we need to see what's going on. And then what did they see? They saw the flame. It came as of fire sitting on them. But when the whole chapter went through and they came to the, the last verses and they were cut to the heart. What cut them to the heart? When they? So is there anything wrong with Pentecost? No. I'll face my case on that. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. What did they hear? They heard the gospel being preached to them from the Bible. He went straight to the Bible. Let me say, any church who do not open the Bible, and, and you see my Bible is closed because I've got it there for your benefit, but I read my Bible, the physical one. If you've got any church not reading and preaching from this book, which is the Holy Scriptures of God, let it be known that you are meddling with God and you will stand before him one day. This is the only only thing that will change hearts. This is the only thing that will bring a sin, a sinner, a sinful sinner into repentant knowledge of God and save his soul. You have to hear the gospel. Let it also be known, this church will never do it. I will not attract people with games and fun or other stuff. If you walk through these doors, you will hear the preaching of the Gospels. The, the brothers who's doing the table, I say to them, you can come do the table as long as you preach the Word of God and the Gospel. If you come to the table and you tell us stories or you're doing other things, then you cannot do the table. My brother, you are absolutely right. It is serious when we come to the Lord's table. But it's also serious when we preach the Word of God. Any preacher who will come behind this pulpit and not preach the Word of God will not come back and preach again. And I'm not even going to ask the church permission for that. Because that's a declaration from the Word of God. I don't need, uh, we don't need to vote on that. The Word declares it. But let's go on. I get excited and I want to get, show you something beautiful. They were listening to the gospel, the preaching of the Bible. Peter went back and he opened up the Old Testament because that's the only Bible they had. They didn't have the New Testament. He didn't even write Peter yet, the first letters. It's still, we've got the New Testament, which is the Old Testament revealed. What else? They were cut to the heart. That's what that verse said. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart comes from the, the Greek term words. It says, katena somai. Katena somai. It means to prick or to pierce. It also means to pain the mind sharply. It is used especially for the emotion of sorrow. 
If you are cut to the heart, you weep. There's something that happened, a truthful thing. Somebody might have told you something and, and you realize for the first time, I've always been like that. Now I can see it for the first time and it sorrows you. You see, they were, they were convicted of sin. Now I want to show you this, and this is why I keep on saying it, there's nothing wrong with Pentecost. You see, that's the Word of God, but preaching alone can kill, who knows that? I've seen it so many times, people misuse the Word of God. They will come to their husband and wife and say, you need to take out the dishes and do this because the Bible says you should love your wife. No, no, that's not how you use the Word. That's the letter. No, no, when the New Testament came, here is the wonderful thing about Pentecost. I absolutely love Pentecost. It is on my calendar now. It is on my calendar. Why? Because the Lord sent the Holy Spirit. And all I need to do on this pulpit is preach the Word and leave the conviction over to the Holy Spirit. You bring the vilest sinner and you sit him in that chair and I can preach until I'm blue in the face. If the Holy Spirit's not going to reach his heart, he's going to say, man, that man is a shouting, raving madman. But the person next to him say, wow, that word was so open and it pierced my heart and I've grown in the Spirit. What's the difference? Not my South African accent. No, 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 no. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and he softens hearts. And here we see the pattern. Can you see the pattern? Can you see it? There's nothing wrong with this Pentecost. You need to understand it. If you want to walk in the power of Pentecost, preach the gospel and leave the Holy Spirit to convict the hearts. This is what we see happening here. And then we see that once those first two things happen, they say, what shall we do? That is the pattern. If you want to go and preach in the streets, don't quarrel with people. You will not change their mind by quarreling with them. All you do, preach the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the work. But first you need to, you need to make sure you walk in the Spirit. That's a total different message. Right, let me show you something here because this is why people don't understand Pentecost. You see, God has got a blueprint. I've given you the blueprint right there. There's a pattern. The pattern is preaching the Word, bring them to Jesus, preaching the Word. The Holy Spirit will convict their hearts. They're going to ask you, what shall we do? We saw the same thing, by the way, happening in Luke chapter 3. Remember when John the Baptist was baptizing? What did he say? Repent, for there is a judgment coming. And what did they do? They were convicted and they say, what shall we do then? What shall we do? The same thing happened. But there is another blueprint. If you haven't seen this before, this will absolutely bless your heart. There's a blueprint of the cross right through the Bible, which we see in the book of Acts. I'm going to bring it all together. I want you to concentrate. If you're feeling sleepy, show me. I'll let you stand and sit because you need to see this. Everybody awake? Yes. That's the person next to you. No, 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 no touching out. So just, hey, are you awake? Okay. So we go for this blueprint back to Genesis. We go to the promise of the Savior. Yeah? We know what happened in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We know that what's happened then, uh, the, Lucifer came into the garden and he spoke to Eve. And he says, Eve, oh, come on, God didn't say you shouldn't eat of that tree and all of those. And then he gave her the fruits. He came to Adam and he ate of it. We catch up on this now afterwards, okay? In Genesis 3 verse 14, God came on the scene. Adam was hiding from God all of a sudden. God says, Adam, Adam, where are you? 
He said it once in my life when I was around about 20 years old, 21 years old. He says, John, where were you? Where are you? In fact, I don't think he used my name in Australia. I think he said Isaac. That's my birth name. Where are you? Have you heard that call? The call of the Savior? Adam said, I was hiding from you, Lord. Why? Because of sin. This is why you hide from God. This is why people don't come to church. This is why people don't fellowship with you if you're a Christian. Why? It's not because of you. They, it's not, yeah, they can fight with you, but it's because of the conviction. Okay, anyway, different message. Genesis 3 verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, listen to this now, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. This tells me that the serpent may have had legs. Okay, he may have had legs and walk around like other animals. Is that shocking for you to comprehend? You need to understand the scriptures. He says, from now on you shall go on your belly. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He came to the woman first. And now God says there's enmity. And even today if you see snakes. You know, men are afraid. I'm afraid of snakes. And if, if I see I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't say anything further. But if I see a snake... I'm not going to say it. I'm going to upset people. I just don't like snakes, okay? I make out of the way. But it's more so, you know, sometimes women are more afraid of snakes. And he says, I will put that enmity between you and the women. Some people read between the lines what I said there before. Okay, I won't go there. He says, I will put enmity between you and the women and between your seed and her seed. It's interesting. Can you see? Is that a capital or a small? Who is that pointing towards? Jesus Christ. Can you notice that he talks about the woman's seed and not a man's seed? That already was a a prophecy towards the virgin birth. The virgin birth. And he says, he shall bruise your heel and you shall bruise. He He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Right here, there's a line that has been drawn right through the ages. The promise of a Messiah. The promise of the one who will crush his head. Who will have the final victory. Amen. This is him. You see this here is the first sermon of the gospel. It's the first sermon. Why? Because God said to the... He said, the God was preaching the sermon here. He says there comes. There comes a savior who will crush you for what you've done. Yes you will bruise his heel. And we all know how he bruised the heel. How Jesus had to go to the cross. But he didn't have his victory at the cross. Who had victory at the cross? Jesus did. But here is the first one. It's the promised Messiah. It's the, it's the prophecy about the virgin birth. And it establishes a blueprint run through the Old Testament into the New Testament. And I'm just going to use one because I can keep you here the whole day to show you the line going all the way. By the way, I was preaching this young one day to a, and a young man was sitting listening to what I'm going to show you now about the line and the Lord saved that young man's soul just on this sermon. It wasn't big sermons about sin or anything. He came to me later, he says, I realize I'm in the wrong bloodline. I need to come into the bloodline of Christ. What is that bloodline? You can only get it to be born again. To show you the blueprint, I'm going to go to the book of Numbers. Who read through the book of Numbers? 
Who studied through the book of Numbers? I, I mean, it's just Numbers Day, isn't it? I've heard so many people say, we read through the, the Bible, but when we get to the book of Numbers, we just sort of go, yep, skip, boom. It's just Numbers. You know, it's all these nations and Numbers. I want to show you, show you something interesting. In Numbers chapter 1 verse 2, this is when the nation came out of captivity. They're in the wilderness now, and God is a meticulous God. He's not going to let chaos run and you find order in chaos. God gave them clear instructions. He gave them clear points to do. It's all written in Leviticus and in Numbers. But to show this blueprint, in verse 2 he says, Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names of every male individually. From 20 years old and above, all who are able to go to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by their armies. So God comes to Moses, he says, all this group of people that came out of, of Egypt, all of them, I want you now to take a census. Remember when they went in there, there were 12 names, 12 sons that went in there. They came out as 12 tribes. God says, everyone is over 20 years old, I want you to count them, male. Now you can imagine this number will be bigger than what I'm going to give you today, but it's not written bigger in the Bible. I'm just going to give you the Bible today. But you can think some of these males might have been married. So there's a wife, some of them already might have had children, but he's only counting the men. So there's 12 tribes that came out. And these tribes were divided in four groups. These groups had for themselves a signage or a signage that, that puts it into that tribe. The signatures were that of a man, that of a lion, that of an ox, and that of an eagle. I can't go into all of that teaching. I'll keep you the whole day. Just follow this through. And they were divided under that. Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. They all belonged under that one group. And then under the lion, the lion of Judah, Isaskar, Zebulun. Under the ox, Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, and under the eagle, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. This is what God wanted. Okay? God says, I want you to divide the nation like this, and they're going to move in these groups. This is where it gets really, really interesting. We're going to count them now. Is there somebody who can read verses for me? Open up your Bible in Numbers chapter 2. Uh, number, numbers chapter 1 with a really loud voice I want you to see the Bible I'm not spinning stuff here for you and that's why we're going to take a little bit of time but I'm going to give you some numbers who's there? can somebody shout amen? ok Brenda it's you so open up in Numbers chapter 1 verse 21 and read for us that verse those who were numbered of the tribe of Levi were 46,500 so those who were numbered in the tribe of Reuben were 46,500. Right, read for me verse 20, 23. Let me put on my glasses. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Simeon were 59,300. And verse 25. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Gad were 45,650. It's only numbers. Come on, Pastor, give us a sermon. Yes? Look at this. If you calculate all of those names, all of those numbers together, it comes to 151,450. Yes? Those right. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Judah were 74,600. 
Note 29. Those who were numbered by the, of the tribe of Ishakar were 54,400. 31. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Zebulun were 57,400. Okay, just hang on there. So now we see and the lion and the Judah, we've got 186,400. It's more than that tribe, isn't it? Yes, sir. So that's the bigger tribe for now. Right. What about verse 33? Those who were numbered of the tribe of Ephraim were 40,500. 35. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. 37. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Benjamin were 35,400. Right. So it gives us a number of 108,100, the smallest tribe, yes? So yes, so far. Let's go to 39. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Dan were 62,700. 41. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Asher were 41,500. 43. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Naphtali were 53,400. Okay, so that is so wonderful, isn't it? Because that adds up to 157,600. They are nearly the same as that one. We've got a bigger one here. We've got a very small one here. And, and it's all just numbers, which people say, can you preach a sermon out of the book of Numbers? No, it's just numbers, you know, we're going to read through the numbers. Of course we can, because there's a blueprint, which you will see in the next few moments, which God saw every day. I showed you before that in Genesis there was already the promise of the Messiah, the Savior. I showed that to you, and that blueprint went through. If you read your Bible casually, you won't know this. You won't see this, but God sees, saw it every single day when that nation was in the wilderness. So now, I want you to turn over Brenda into chapter 2. Because we're going to see now in Numbers chapter 1 verse 52, he says, The children of Israel shall pitch their tents. Listen to this now. Because they were moving in tents. Everyone by his own camp. There's the instruction. This is why we went through this. Everyone, God says everyone will pitch by his own camp. The camps were the leaders, Reuben, Judah, Ephraim, Dan, Eagle, Ox, Lion. And God Himself said, You shall pitch your tents by His own camps, everyone by His own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony. So the Levites were not counted. In fact, they came up to something like 22,000. They were not counted in the nation. I don't want to bore you. I want you to hold on to this because there's a blessing here. Numbers chapter 2 verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard beside his own emblems. What is those emblems? Lion, ox, eagle, man. He says they shall camp by their own emblems of his father's house. They shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. So, God is so meticulous. He said, we're coming out. It's not this big group, you know, we're going to walk so big and everybody's just all over the place and, you know, we just see this big group walking. No, no. God had a specific pattern. 
He let the people know this is how you're going to move. And when you camp, you camp in your groups. And the Levites don't camp in and amongst them. Let it just be known that today the problem is that the spirit of the, of the world came into the church. It's not supposed to be like that. Anyway, so he says, now I'm going to show you how you camp. Watch and look carefully. We've got the four points there. North, east, south and west. That's our compass. And then we've got the sun. Where does the sun come up? In the east. Yeah? So the sun comes up every time in the east. The Levites is going to camp around the tabernacle. So they camp in the middle. And they just surround it. But they've got specific ways, like in a square that they camp. Now, Brenda, would you please read for us verse number 3. Numbers chapter 2 verse 3. On the east side towards the rising of the sun those of the standard of the forces with Judah shall camp according to their armies and Nashon the son of Aminadab shall be the leader of the children of Judah. Just so far. So what does he say? He says there when you go out the camp of Lion of Judah, they will camp towards the east. You see that? Clear. So they can't go close to the Levites. They have to have that space there. And then in that line, according to it, the Bible says it, they will camp out towards the east. So they can pitch their tents in that block going out. That is, by the way, the biggest one, isn't it? Isn't it? Now let's read the next one. Read verse 10. Uh, 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 Numbers chapter 2 verse 10 yeah. On the south side shall be the standard of the force, forces with Reuben According to their armies And the leader of the children of Reuben Shall be Elizur, the son of Shedrick Okay, just until so far sister So he says clearly Reuben shall go towards there sure. South and they are 151,000 Right, read for us verse 18 On the west side shall be the standard of the forces with Ephraim According to the armies, and the leader of the children of Ephraim shall be Elisha, the son of Okay, so thank you, sister. So, towards the west, who's that? Ephraim, and that's the small one, isn't it? Yes. Now, read us the last one. Verse 25. The standard of the forces with Dan shall be on the north side, according to the armies, and the leader of the, of the children of Dan, Dan shall be Hadizer. Just the until there. Yep. <laughs> I want you to look at the screen. Have you seen this before? There's some who've seen it before. So I want you to understand something here today. That Jesus going to die on the cross was not an afterthought. It is in the blueprint plan. Can you understand when I say we don't need another Pentecost? Because Pentecost is all about Jesus. And by the way, let me just say this. Everything you see in the Old Testament is a shadow of the substance which is Jesus Christ. The feasts, all seven feasts that there are, every single thing that happened in the Old Testament is a shadow of Jesus. This is why we don't celebrate the feast. I don't have to celebrate the feasts. 
No, because I've got the feast in whom? In Jesus Christ. Yes, I can still go back and study the feast. Why? Because out of those feasts my, I will grow in grace and the Lord will grow me spiritually. But I do not have to hold on to those. I do not have to go even back to days. I do not every single day. The Sabbath is a shadow of the true rest which is Christ. I can go on. Every single thing is a shadow in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It is Jesus Christ concealed. Now this is the wonderful thing. If you see where the sun goes up and where does it go down? In the west. Every single day, every single day when the sun came up, God from above, if you fly with an airplane over it, will see the cross. Am I right? Yes. That's a blueprint plan. Now, let me finish this morning. Let me go back to the book of Acts. See how the Lord brings it all together. In Acts chapter 2 verse 5, remember when I said we just read over these names? And they were divided, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were very confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all those who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each one in your own language in which we are? Look at this now, which is really interesting. Because if you take Jerusalem, I want, to, I want to quote to you a scripture verse in Ezekiel chapter 5 verse 5. He says, the Lord says that this Jerusalem I have set in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. Today Jerusalem is the center point of the whole earth. Jerusalem. It's the center point. Everything works towards the one side to the west from Jerusalem, north and south. That is the center point of God. God pointed down from, from heaven when He created the earth. When He created the earth, He pointed down before Peleg. Who remembers what is Peleg? That's when the whole earth was one continent. Even then God pointed down and said, that's the center point of the whole earth and all nations will be around it. It plays out right in front of your eyes, right here. Let me show you. First of all, he says, the Parsians, the Medes, and the Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, they are from the east. When was that one coming up? Those people were from the east, coming to Judea. And then he says in the scripture, I should have had the scripture up here. Let me first read it. The green ones is from the east. That's Mesopotamia. Then he comes back to Judea. And you've got to ask yourself, he's naming all these. Why didn't he jump to Cappadocia and these places? He names the ones to the south, and then he comes back to the center point, Judea. Why is Judea in there? Because that's where everything is happening. Then he goes to these names, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pergia, these places. They are from the north. Then he goes to Egypt and the parts of adjoining Serene and from Rome. They are from the west. And then he goes into the Arabs, which is from the south. And what happened? To these people were taught the wonderful works of God. Let's paint it. In the New Testament. In the book of Acts. It started in the book of Numbers. It started in Genesis. The blueprint plan. Here we find the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What was preached that day? The Gospel. What needed to go out into the world? The Gospel. Who did we need to have in Jerusalem at that point in time? People from the south the east, the west, and the north. Why did we have to have them there? Because they needed to take the gospel. The gospel. 
out to all places. Oh, is this a blessing or what? The Word of God, the blueprint plan. I finish off with Isaiah, Isaiah 52 verse 6. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. What is the good news church? The gospel who proclaims peace. What brings peace church? The gospel who brings glad tidings of good things. What is that? The gospel who proclaims salvation. What is that? The gospel who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift their voices with their voice. They shall sing together. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Romans 10.14 How then shall they call on Him who, who they've not believed in? And how shall they believe in Him who they've not heard? Everybody say heard. Yeah. With what do you hear? With your ears. Not see, heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Here on the day of Pentecost, God says you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my martyrs, my witnesses to all the ends of the world. And here He comes and He ties it back again. You can't go and preach the gospel of God if you are not sent. Those men were sitting in the upper room. I know I'm talking fast, but listen to me. They were sitting in the upper room there and they were sitting there with the gospel. They saw the gospel. They lived the gospel. And now the Holy Spirit came. And what the Holy Spirit done? He commissioned them. And He sent them out with the gospel. And here we sit today. Hallelujah. And you know what? Because of... Well, listen, listen. Because of that... I am saved today. Hallelujah. Now you can give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. You see, this is so wonderful. We do not need another Pentecost. You need to understand Pentecost. These people who are crying out for it, they want poofy uh, stuff. I, I wanted to say fluff, sorry. <laughs> they want popcorn. They want all of this stuff. I, I'm not interested in the things we can see. I'm interested in the things we can hear. Because it's the things that you can hear that will save lives. It is the things that you can preach and hear is going to save your family, life, souls and bring them to Jesus Christ. But they have not obeyed the gospel. And we will see that next week. Because next week I'm going to give you two reactions to being cut to the heart. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed it? So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. I will tell you one thing now today. I'm a Pentecostal at heart. This is where the Lord saved my soul. But there will be Pentecostals who listen to this sermon and turn me off. And that's fine. I just want to say it. Because I'm telling you I will preach the word of God. And I will leave the rest over for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray, but next week we're going to look at the two reactions, like I said, of being cut to the heart. Heavenly Father.